0: Hello, I'm John Deeks and welcome to Your Life Choices, the podcast. For over 22 years, Your Life Choices has been providing Australians with essential news, articles and retirement resources from some of Australia's leading journalists. And with over 270,000 members and growing, Your Life Choices is Australia's longest established and most trusted digital destination for the over 50s. And today we have a very special guest from the University of South Australia, Dr. Evangeline Matsiotis. Evangeline is the Program Director of Nutrition and Health Food Sciences, an accredited practicing dietitian, sports dietitian, and so much more. Evangeline's research interests include omega-3 fatty acids, the Mediterranean diet, which apparently we're all supposed to be getting into, and the Environment Food Nexus. She is our special guest. Please welcome Dr. Evangeline Matsiotis. It's a pleasure to be here, John. I hope you're all well and all your listeners are well. Yes, we are well, but we need to eat better. <laughs> That's right. It,
1: it, it's, it's a tricky thing as you get older, learning how to manage what you should eat and what you shouldn't
0: eat. And also at, at a sort of a, a special um, time when we try to save as much money as possible as well and, and to do it on a budget.
1: Absolutely. So there's a lot of considerations there, isn't it? Like, how do I keep myself healthy? How do I, you know, reduce the risk of any further diseases? How do I keep enjoying eating food? Because you've got to make sure you enjoy what you eat. But then also, how can you do it on a budget? And perhaps also, how can you do it and help the environmental sustainability and, you know, reduce the risk
0: of climate change. So there's lots and lots of aspects to it. There is a lot to unpack. And I guess, look, first of all, as we do get older and we're not making food for the kids and, you know, going through the normal rhythm of the day as we do when we have children, when you get older, you do tend to not look after yourself as much as we should. And certainly when it comes to food, there is kind of a lot of shortcuts taken and sometimes to the detriment of our health.
1: Mm, Absolutely. And I think in an environment where we have a plentiful supply of food, um, it's really easy to rely on what we can purchase at the supermarkets or at the shops or or even worse, at the fast food stores. So it's a matter of um, really considering what sort of food you are eating and what is actually best for your health and maybe trying to, you know, sort of limit some of those shortcuts, which can be problematic.
0: So when we are talking about uh, managing the health um, what are some of the, the major factors that you see in your research? Where are you headed towards uh, helping the elderly?
1: Yeah. Well, the major problems that we see with the elderly population, and it's not necessarily older, but as you get older, you've got more risk of developing these chronic diseases. There's things like high blood pressure, high cholesterol level. You may be getting high blood uh, glucose levels and being, you know, getting diabetes. So all of these things need to be considered. And whilst it does sound daunting and overwhelming to think, oh, there's something else to consider, there's actually one sort of diet that's going to be really beneficial for all of those conditions. Conditions. and it's a matter of having a diet that's really high in fiber and plant food um, so you know eating lots of breads and cereals eating lots of fruit and vegetables even having lots of lentils and legumes and while lentils and legumes may not be so common in the typical Australian English background diet they're really um, used a lot in many other diets of different cultures of, of you know of people and cultures that have come to Australia. So we've really learned lots about how to make food a lot more yummy with using herbs and spices and lots of plant foods. So that's that's the big thing um, is trying to get more fruit, vegetables, and lentils and legumes into your diet. And then on the flip side is trying to reduce the intake of those over-processed foods mm. or what we call in the business ultra-processed foods. Yeah. And I was asked once, well, what's the difference between an ultra-processed food and a processed food. And a processed food might be something like um, salad dressing, your bread that you buy. Um, it might be, uh, a, you know, a simple sort of cake. And An ultra-processed food is something that you cannot actually make in your own home, in your own kitchen. Ah. So you need special techniques, special equipment to be able to make it. And the easiest description is something like a... Um, the chips, and I've forgotten what the names of those chips are now. Oh, they come in the tube. What are they called? Pringles. Pringles, Pr- yeah. Pringles. So Pringles. So your standard French fried chip, if you like, you know, like we can not name any, you know, names. But, you know, the, by, the type, the crispy chips that you buy in the supermarket, yep. um, they're thinly sliced potatoes that have been deep fried. And they're not very good for our health. We know that. You know, they're high in fat. They're very high in energy. And by energy, I mean kilojoules or calories. But the Pringle goes a step further. They've actually taken the potato, mashed it down into a powder, reformed it, and then deep fried it again. Oh, excellent. So that's, <laughs> yeah. so that's an ultra-processed food because you could theoretically make a French fry at home if you thinly slice
0: the potato and deep fried I it. I like the sweet potatoes.
1: Oh yeah, the sweet potato chips. Well, yeah, and you just pop them in the oven. Yeah, yeah. So they're so they're the ones that are in the freezer, and then you bake
0: them in the oven. And they have fancy techniques where they reduce the amount of fat that's used. Yeah, but just can't you just peel a. Sweet potato, chop it up thinly. Put a bit of uh, your olive oil on it. Absolutely, in the oven. absolutely, and that's and that's what we do. So
1: one of your things that you can do is just put them in a bag, um, put the olive oil in there, and then mix it up and shake it so all the potato gets coated in a little bit of oil because you need that to assist in the cooking process. Mm. And then pop it in the oven. But so the thing to do alongside that, I mean, we're focusing on you know potatoes, is doing that with your other veggies as well. So there's you know really yummy ways of having roast vegetables with different flavorings on top, Um, you know, vegetable curries where you use canned chickpeas, um, you know, soups that can be made with lots of veggies and lots of legumes and lentils. So legumes and lentils are a really cheap, easy and really practical way of getting high, you know, high quality foods into your diet. And they also give you protein. So, as we get older, we still need to keep up our protein because protein is the building block that builds up our muscles. Ah,
0: now I was going muscle- to get to that. Is that scaparina? Sar- sarcopenia,
1: we call sarcopenia, it, in the which sarcopenia, is yes. It's when your the muscle mass starts to decline as we get older, and you'll all have noticed that. You know, you'll hear Grandpa saying, "Well, when I was young, I was six foot tall and I was muscular," and over time. What happens is that the muscle in your body breaks down. Now, that doesn't need to happen. You can keep that muscle lost to a real minimum as you get older. And the really important part of it is having a good amount of protein spread throughout your day. But the most important thing is to have exercise. Because without exercise, you are going to lose that muscle mass. We all know. If you've been sick for three, four, five days in bed and not been able to move, you feel really weak. It's harder to do those things that you could do before. And that's because of the muscle mass that you've lost whilst you've been in bed. So, muscle mass loss can occur really quickly. And we've probably seen pictures, you know, following people who've had COVID before and after photos. And you go, wow, where did all that, you know, where did they go? Well, because they don't use the muscle, they lose it. So, first thing is, lots of exercise. And it doesn't mean going to a gym. It could just be walking, swimming, gardening, Um, instead of taking the car to do the shopping, walking to do the shopping. It also means you're not going to buy lots of those heavy, ultra-processed foods if you can't carry them home. So that's really important. Now, when it comes to the protein in your diet, um, we know that most Australians, and by most, I mean, you know, well over 95% of Australians consume enough protein in their diet. Um, There are... Elderly people who are at risk of eating less protein, and this might be because they have um, trouble chewing um, you know, meat as they get older. Mm. Um, it might be they can't prepare the food as well because they've got arthritis in their hands and it limits their ability for food preparation. So there are some reasons that the elderly may reduce their intake, but mostly we all have a pretty good intake. And the idea is to make sure you spread it throughout the day. So don't have a huge, you know, um, steak at the end of the day without eating a lot of protein during the day. Make that piece of meat at night a little bit smaller, and then make sure you have, you know, cheese in your sandwich, or you have, you know, milk for breakfast, or you might have an egg in your sandwich. So to spread those protein sources throughout the day is really critical. And I said meat, but don't forget fish is also really good. Um, and fish contains omega three fatty acids in it which is also really beneficial for dampening inflammatory responses. And we know that a lot of the chronic diseases have an inflammatory component to them. So having fish, which are fatty fish, like salmon, um, is going to be really good for giving you more omega-3 fatty acids to dampen that inflammatory response. And also there's some evidence to suggest it's better also for your um, you know, thinking, your clarity, reducing the risk of other mental health diseases as well.
0: What about uh, meal patterns? Uh, again, as we get older, uh, the uh, breakfast, lunch and dinner um, can change somewhat. Um, is it best to have that light meal at dinner time, as they always recommend? And what about the good breakfast? I mean, you know, you hear some people say, I don't have breakfast. And you say, but it's the first meal of the day. And that's on the got to get you going. And what is correct and what is not?
1: Well, that's a really interesting question. And and people quite often have strong views, as you've said, John. Um, And over time, I think we also have to look at what other cultures do. You know, a lot of the Mediterranean countries only have two meals a day. They might have a really light breakfast where they just have a coffee and then they have two bigger meals for lunch and dinner. And I think we've come to the point where it's probably best to say, look, you've got to eat what you think suits you. So if you find that breakfast always disagrees with you and you're struggling to keep your weight at a healthy level, it might be best to go, well, look, I'm not going to have breakfast, um, by all means, you know, drink plenty of fluid because you need that, and I'm going to have an earlier lunch and an earlier tea. And for the other people, they might go, well, I might have a brunch and, you know, tea around five o'clock. So it's not so much um when you have your meals, but what you have in your meals
0: No know, know why you're eating too, huh? Know why you're eating. Is it because you're bored? Is it because you're whatever, but you know, know why you're eating.
1: Exactly. So you know, people and it's gonna be different for different days. We do know that it's important to have what we call breaks within eating, so not to have too many eating occasions. So if you're struggling to manage your weight and you have breakfast and morning tea and lunch and afternoon tea and dinner and supper, and you're struggling to keep your weight down, you might want to look at dropping some of those snacks to help mm. with maintaining your weight. It's the other problem we have, John, as we get older, is we actually need less energy, either we call energy calories or kilojoules, to keep us going. So, you know, what you needed in your 20s was a lot more than what you will needing in your 60s and 70s and 80s. So, you know, trying to reduce perhaps how often you do have snacks is a really good way of doing it. And if you
0: really feel hungry and you really need a snack, the best thing to have is a piece of fruit. Well, funny you should say that because in front of me is the most sensational peach I've ever had in my life, and it's come from our producer Ian McWilliams' home where he's got a fabulous peach tree with no additives, no spray. Beautiful. I had to fight off three possums to get to it. But it is, it's like when, you know, dad used to make or grandpa had tomatoes in the backyard. You never tasted a tomato like it, right? But I thought that you weren't supposed to have too much fruit because of the sugars.
1: Yeah, that's something that we hear a lot as well, isn't it? So the recommendation is to have two pieces of fruit and five pieces of vegetables a day. Uh And that's here in Australia. In other countries, I actually recommend a higher intake of fruit and vegetables. Because the research actually tells us the more plant foods you eat, particularly fruit and vegetables, the better health outcomes you have. Now, about the sugar, yes, there is a little bit of sugar in fruit, but it's attached to all those other amazing nutrients that are in there. First of all, fruit is all high in fiber. And as we get older, um, you know, going to the toilet may become more difficult with the different types of medications people are taking Mm. and also reduced exercise. So constipation becomes a bigger problem. So you need to eat more plant-based to get more fiber. There's also lots and lots of nutrients in fruit and vegetables. And people go, oh, yeah, vitamin C, vitamin A. We go, yeah, there's those. But there's all these others that we're discovering all the time. And there's still more in there that we don't know about yet. What we do know is that people that eat lots of fruit and vegetables are amongst the healthiest in the
0: population. Thank you. Okay, so <laughs> and thank you, thank you to Ian, my producer, for this fabulous piece.
1: Exactly, I will have to have some shipped over to me. Oh, um, but if you can, <laughs> you'll have to fight
0: me for them. Uh, look, the last question I have, Evangeline, is what research are you working on now? Because I want to talk to you again in the future. So, what are what some of your research that you're doing?
1: Uh, well we've we're quite interested in the Mediterranean diet across the age groups and how that may provide you know health benefits, both physical and cognitive ones. So it's looking at um, you know in reproductive health, uh, we've done a bit of work looking in um, the old age group as well and seeing what factors make them more inclined to have Mediterranean diet. Because it's a little bit difficult with a Mediterranean diet because it's so linked to culture, a lot of what we eat is linked to True.
0: the customs, the traditions. My dear mum, come from an English background, everything was boiled to the, you know, yes. <laughs> into the degree. We should have just <laughs> thrown away from the pressure cooker all the vegetables and just drunk the water at the bottom and it was where yeah, all the nutrients yeah. were.
1: That's right. So, you know, um, that's the whole thing. And so how easy is it for people of other backgrounds to adapt a diet that's so highly linked to culture, festivities, occasion, religion, all those sorts of things. So we're looking a little bit at that. Um, so that's really exciting that's um, stuff there. But but even if people go, oh, you know, Mediterranean diet, I don't really like garlic, I don't really like this, the focus has to be that you eat plant food. Yeah. Um, and fish. And you minimize. Yeah, and fish. And when I say plant food based, we don't mean going vegan. We don't even mean go, going vegetarian. But at night, your main meal, there should be a lot of plant food on it and a little bit of meat. And we're not saying that eating no meat is healthier. What we know is eating a little bit of meat seems to be the healthiest against the plant-based diet. And and as
0: my mum would say, everything in proportion, dear.
1: Yes, but then some people take that to the extreme and put the chocolate there and the chips oh, and the ice no, you
0: cream. See, <laughs> put, put, a, put away all that rubbish and the Pringles and all the rest of it. If That's you're going right. to sit down watch telly, cut up some uh, lovely carrots, cut up some other bits and pieces. Yes. It only takes a while, yeah. then it becomes a habit. Uh, Evangeline, right. thank you so much for your time today. We do appreciate it and all, and all the work you're doing over there at the uh, university in SA. Thank you. Thank you. Your Life Choices, of course, is uh, the place to head to if you'd like to hear more of our podcasts, yourlifechoices.com.au. And if you know anyone who you believe could benefit from Australia's longest established and most trusted digital destination for the over 50s, then please spread the word. Membership is and will always be free. I'm John Deeks. On behalf of the Your Life Choices team, be well and happy, and we'll see you next time.